You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Page to Stage. A conversation with theater makers. We're your hosts. That's Brian. That's Mary. To put it simply, we're both theater nerds. So let's pull back the curtain and get a glimpse at the artist's process while creating their art. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. I feel like we should have had some like a beautiful like fantastic fabulous song to welcome you through it's okay yeah like a nice strut even though this is not a visual medium <laughs> it's all good i'm here i'm ready i'm present let's do this <laughs> well thank you i'm very very happy to bring you on today i'm so oh, excited and to i'm be so here. happy to see you before you leave which we'll we will dive into we will cover don't worry i'm very excited to meet you <laughs> likewise <laughs> all right so i'm curious tony so I heard when I met you at Promote You that you were a dancer. Tell me all about that. How did you get into performing all of that? When I was young, I fell in love with theater. And then you want to know the real story? Of course. Okay. Well, I lost my father when I was 17. And so that was a formidable moment. I had always been in theater, but that was the moment that I said, you know what, I'm going to do this for my living. Um, because I got to go be someone else for two hours during a rough time in my life. And I realized like that is what theater does for other people. Um, hopefully it can educate them or it can illuminate something, a story that they have not heard, but it definitely is a noble profession. Um, and so that's what I chose to pursue in college. And that's what I did for many, many years of my life. And then as of late, it took a, a real creative right turn. And here I am doing digital marketing for artists. 
Did you pursue digital marketing while you were still acting and did that kind of transition you out or did you just decide one day, I'm going to make a clear shift? I'll also rewind and go back to first grade when the teacher asks you, what do you want to be when you grow up? And my answer was actor, artist, or author. I wasn't sure then. And the interesting thing is at this point in my life, I get to do all three. Um, I studied, like, I'll give you the path. So I studied visual arts up until high school. When I went to college, we had a class that was called Computers and Theater and Dance at Ball State University. At the In 2004, we had to make our own website, business cards, and resumes before we graduated, which I think was brilliant. Then I moved to New York, and I became a temp at Music Theater International. I was removing staples from contracts and scanning them. But I heard that the marketing department needed someone who had basic HTML and a little bit of experience in the creative suite. So I moved right on over and sort of... Um, grew in the world of graphic design there. So I brought my background in visual arts up until high school, and then this new knowledge of Photoshop and Dreamweaver and other platforms into that job. Um, fast forward, and I'm on my biggest acting job to date. It was the first national of Avita, And I'm looking around, and I just, it was the time that the CETA contracts really sort of raised a ruckus with Newsies and Kinky Boots potentially going out on CETA. And I just made the decision based on that, as well as where I was in my life, that when I got off of this job, that I wanted to work for myself. So I built my business when I was on the road with Avita initially, and that was in about 2000, uh, maybe like 14 or 15, maybe 13, actually. <laughs> Time flies. <laughs> yeah. Tell me about it. <laughs> and so when you came off the Avita tour, did you just say, I'm going to focus on the digital marketing and build your, your company? Yeah. So I knew that I did not necessarily have a job at MTI. I kind of maxed out um, on an hourly rate. And then I also had enough experience freelancing that I didn't want to juggle a lot of clients. So what I decided on the road was like, I will try to build as sustainable of a job for myself as I can. So I initially started as a social media education company. I was teaching seminars as I traveled to colleges, uh, and I would just book myself as a speaker ahead of my appearance in that city. Oh, so while you were on the tour, you would you would pre-plan. Reach out. That's that's amazing. And then was a lot uh, of it like so cold, smart. like cold calls, like you didn't, or did you know someone to connect so, you? Mostly, mostly just introducing myself and using the name of the show, and said I'm going to be in your town. And that's crazy because. Y- it was on their buck. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're, like your but, own tour. Yeah, and, and in some ways, correct. So, I mean, it was beautiful. The The great thing if someone is on the road building a business, and I, I have friends that are doing that now, is that you work, you know, once you know your show, you're working two or three hours a night. So you have all day in a hotel room with fast Wi-Fi to build your business. Um, so that's really what I focused on. I took some online business training and really built the business there. But what I will say is when I got back to New York, the market here dictated website design. So again, it started as social media education, but it became a little bit of a website design agency. And so that's where we are now in 2019 of saying like, this is an education company. I want to teach you how to do all these things for yourself. So was the decision to the decision, but was it really because that was the need? Were you finding that like actors or whoever your audience was at the time that they really needed website design assistance or guidance? They weren't ready to pay for advice on how to Instagram or tweet, but they would pay you to build a website. And at that time, were there website builders like Wix and Squarespace and all those things that were make it easier? Like I could build a website through that 
Yes, there will always be people who want to do it themselves, and then there will be people who want to hire someone else to do it for them. But back then, yes. did they have those editors available for people that wanted to do it themselves? Yes, oh. they were all there. And I actually, interestingly, I built my own actor website, redesigned my own actor website while I was on tour, which was also potentially the birthplace of the website element of my company. Um, and interestingly, my manager at the time, I sent them my new website, and they said, oh, it's too flashy. It had parallax scrolling, which is that idea where things move at different speeds they're like it's too fancy you need to simplify that and lo and behold now they're they're trying to send clients to me so just be careful of the advice that you take from your your team because they often have a limited perspective so you would say that you were around and starting this during the shift in social media and digital marketing digital presence footprint all that so what would you say are the biggest shifts that you've noticed in that change and in, in, in the industry in general, because now people get hired based on their followings and all that. Yeah, I think the biggest shifts, uh, what I love about it is that there's equal opportunity, that everyone has the same tools at their disposal. Uh, and people can poo-poo on social media, but it is not any different than... Um, hiring a celebrity to star in your musical back in the 1950s or, or in your movie. You know, it's just a different form of fame now where it's internet-based as opposed to, you know, mass market. And the real question was like, what are the big shifts that I've seen? Yeah, and, uh, and, and particularly I'm really interested to see or to hear if you saw a shift in the older generation having to reevaluate how they were conducting their careers yeah. And and I'm sure you've had a lot of experience working with that generation, probably more than millennials or people that grew up with uh, the digital age, because those people probably feel that they can do all this on their own. It's interesting. We just recently did a lot of work on our analytics, doing a lot of analysis on who's doing what. And um, my audience over the past six years, which is how long I've been in business, has been predominantly women in their 40s. And I think that is relevant to people who are wanting to, uh, you know, keep that presence fresh and stay up to date. Um, but my traffic is millennials, like young, and, and it also drives female in their like 20 to 34. So I and even in in the pie chart of like who has hired us to do work for them, um, it's there's there's interesting demographics and psychographics. I I think that there's a lot of veteran artists that I work with, mostly veterans, but there's also a nice chunk of the pie that are fresh out of college that want to introduce themselves. So the real artist that I work with is someone who wants to raise their voice, whether it's for the first time or kind of like make a change and reintroduce themselves to people. But I definitely think, um, well, I'm, I, I feel like I have job security because there will always be people who need my help um, and I'm, I would love to help them. But there is definitely a shift from people who wanted to poo-poo on all of this for many years and say it doesn't matter and they realize, oh, it actually lost does. lost the job. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I would love to get into maybe some, some practical ways for them in this episode. Yeah, let's do it. I guess, so when I was, so I guess like if, if we're gonna look at five or seven years ago and looking what digital media really looked like, I was always told, you know, 
don't post too much. Don't post the wrong thing because of jobs this and, you know, employers that. And there are all these limitations that were thrown on you. But now I feel like it's the opposite. Would you agree with that? Like people are, I feel like more people are like, no, we want to see the authentic you. We want to know who you are through these because we can connect with you on a deeper level. So let's take the 10,000 foot view and whether I run a pizza shop that's a new business or whether I'm an actor, there's always a balance between the business owner, which is usually party of one, or maybe you have a team. And then there's the audience, which is 7.8 billion potential people. So you always have to balance authenticity. What do I want to do versus them, which is strategy? What do they want to see or hear from me? So what I think social media has become in the evolution, if we rewind to the days of MySpace and friends and and Facebook initially, it was a it was a tool to connect us, to meet new people, to, to have self-expression. What it has unfortunately, because of human nature, evolved into is competition. How many likes, how many followers? And so we are seeing a pendulum swing from people who are tired of the Pinterest perfect Instagram um, facade and who want to connect with the real humans behind the headshots or behind the logos. And I think that it is up to every brand to make that decision um, and and make it with consciousness. Um, Yeah. Do you consult for any of your clients or potential clients? Do you consult with them on the brand level as well? Like, do you have a say, not just with like what their website could look like, but as like their overall image and what they want for their company or for themselves? Yeah, my work is currently in four stages. I've developed a method. And so the the Tony Howell method is branding, website, email, and social. And every brand, whether it's Starbucks or you and me, needs those four things. And so there's exercises and, and online courses and stuff to go along with all four of those mediums. And so if someone comes to me for a website, you better believe that we're talking about their branding, which is really like the business model. Like, who are you talking to? Where does the money come from? And how do we get you to the next level? Because anyone can build a website but not everyone can raise your brand or build your business. I was on your email blast when I found out that we were going to be recording with you. And so I took or I got your like uh, introduction to email excellence. Oh, yay. And I took some of those tips and really my inbox looks so much better. And it it really (laughs) works. And it's stuff that like you just really have to just sit down and do it. Because like I like being tidy and organized and stuff like that. And like, yes, I would respond to all the important emails But my head would hurt Mm -hmm. after a while seeing all these like, you know, all these stores trying to contact me. But can I tell you something? I'm getting ready. Well, I had just traveled and to Bali and to Thailand, which is in the Eastern culture. And I had this light bulb moment, which I think will sort of become a new thesis in my work, that we all have three realms that we live in. We have our physical world or realm. We have our mental world or realm, which is this private little voice in our head that like no one else gets to listen to. But now we all have a digital world or realm. It's And that is what we project out for the world. And so I see my work really focusing on digital wellness because we already know the mind-body connection, but how is this modern tool, this little device that we all have tethered to us sometimes on our wrist, you know, how does that affect our day-to-day life, uh, both in in in-person interaction in the physical world, but then also all the little thoughts that go on in our head? That's so interesting, uh, considering the differences between Western and Eastern culture. So you're going to be able to experience and, you know, put that thesis to work, right? Yeah. So what now that we're on Bali and Thailand, mm-hmm. what are you planning to do there? 
So I'm relocating for a year. Um, There is, I don't know how serious this is, but people are calling it Silicon Bali. There is a whole movement of digital nomads, which is this term that I realize that I am. Um, Instagrammers, YouTubers, consultants, course creators, all living in Bali, um, working from villas, working from these co-working spaces, and I'm going to join them. So in the same way that this young gay boy from Indiana moved to New York and found his gay and theater community, I'm now moving to Bali to find my tech and my marketing community. And I I know that I will grow. And it also really gives me some creative white space. I'm working on writing so that you all can have a book to read uh, or several. And yeah, it's going to give me 12 hours ahead so that I actually can have some a little bit more creative white space to to produce more work now you have a you have a team behind you you have six Yeah, so I have a business manager who sort of helps with the strategy side of operations and makes sure that that we meet our sales goals and that we're always growing. Um, Jonathan, and her name is Catherine McClintock. She's amazing. Jonathan Freeland has been with me for several years. He's my associate. He's my right-hand man. man. Um, He takes care of all of the past clients. And interestingly, after six years, we have hundreds of past clients. So um, I really rely on him and he's really wonderful. And then I have a podcast producer, Connor Lynch, who's amazing, uh, video show producer, Greg Monteith, and JJ Ignatz, who's my photographer. And I collaborate with a designer in Vietnam. Like, yeah, so it's it's most subcontractors, but the two, Catherine and Jonathan, are really with me um, most days. Yeah. Are any of them or are those two going with you on this adventure well, or are you going to work? We're, I've got to land and, and find a house and, and set up life. But, uh, the game plan is if anyone's listening, like I will be taking on less and less client work, uh, so that I can produce content that reaches more people, um, books. But that being said, you know, I still have bills to pay, but the fascinating thing that I think will be successful because it lights people's eyeballs up is that people could fly to Bali and work with me for a week or two weeks. So we would have coffee and strategize your business or your brand. Then I would send you to the spa to have a facial and a massage and have the photographer ready when you get back. And we do your photo shoots and we do video shoots or whatever. And we'd build your website by the time you're flying back home. And if that works, then I will also hold retreats. And so JJ is already talking about flying to Bali and Catherine and Jonathan. So what I think that may look like, we'll figure it out for different audiences. But, um, you know, uh, retreats for small business owners, retreats for media creators, you know, all kinds of different themes. Once I know my people in that area and I have my spaces, I think that may also be something that I, I end up doing. What are your opinions on people that artists that refuse to promote their work on social media? I know some people that say, I don't need a social media. I don't. I don't want to get involved in all that mess and have that responsibility. And I don't care that people, I don't want people following my everyday life. Well, let's look at Patti Lapone as an example, someone who wasn't on social media until most recently. What I think you, there's an opportunity loss. And I applaud anyone who main, wants to maintain privacy. Um, but if you are not accepting followers for years, then you're using you're losing years worth of opportunity. So Patty sort of created a Twitter account and then everyone was like, oh, she's on Twitter. And then she mic dropped her first tweet. Uh, had she been on earlier and it just said, you know, like official... Twitter account of Patty Lapone, she could have been collecting and we could have been waiting forever. I think it was it was smart, but for those who 
don't want to be on it. I, I just think that you're losing the opportunity of your Broadway show or your press article of mentioning you on social media where millions of people are hanging out and attracting new fans, new eyeballs, new job opportunities. It doesn't mean that you have to raise your voice or like tweet pictures of your food, you know, but I think that you're missing opportunities to grow your audience, to share your voice with the world, to build a platform so that then when the time comes that you have a show or a concert or an album or whatever it is that you want to put out there and you're trying to speak to who, like where's your audience? So I definitely think that it's something that I'm going to encourage whoever's listening to examine their why behind it. Is it that they're afraid of not looking good? Like they're not afraid of take, they're afraid of taking the risk. And if that's the case, then push past that and like look at the positives of it and, and use it the way that you want to. What about engagement and the interaction and the response? I mean, I don't have a lot of followers, so I don't have that problem. But I do know from managing other accounts of just how important that engagement is because you see the return. You see the people who are that much more invested in in your show or in your projects or in, in you as a person. And so do, would you agree? Yeah. So I will simplify this. And I never thought I'd be using business language. But there's something called a sales funnel that uh, if we look, just imagine, close your eyes and imagine an upside down triangle. And at the top is awareness. So that's just people knowing who you are, having your name out there. And the middle level is engagement. And that's people actually caring enough about you to follow, to comment, to engage with your brand. And then at the bottom of that is the smaller selection of people who end up paying money to buy your album, to come see your show or whatever. So as a solopreneur, which is what most artists are, your sales funnel, social media is part of your um, awareness, like getting the word out there about whatever it is that you're doing. And then the engagement is absolutely important. And in traditional online marketing, yes, you want to engage with your fans because it's a relationship. So you commenting thank you or giving a like to someone's comment on your Instagram post or your video makes them feel seen and heard, which will allow them, uh, which will manifest in them buying tickets to your show or buying your latest t-shirt or your album or whatever it may be. Where did you learn all of this? I mean, what, what, was there a class that you took? Or or is it just through your own experience? Yeah. Yes and yes. Um, a lot of it, I think that I'm uniquely gifted for this audience because of my background in performing. Um, I think that my experience at MTI gave me a, a, an outside perspective of the industry in terms of licensing. You know, like I was working on Beauty and the Beast, the tour, while also seeing like the the profit reports coming in. So I was able to look at both sides and seeing how many high schools were doing Beauty and the Beast. So I then studied uh, first with Dallas Traver. She had a program called Your Other Dream Job that was about creating a job that you loved. Uh, and then I also studied with Marie Forleo, and she has a program called B School, which is a gold standard of creating a business. I, I like to tell people it's really great for entrepreneurs, no matter what level you're at. Uh, it's a little bit like singers singing scales or dancers doing plies. It's going back to basics. So for Pepsi to go, who are we talking to and what do they want? It's like questions you always need to be asking. And that's where I learned. And then along the way, I've taken classes on PR. And then, of course, I've learned on the job with with different clients and different levels of, of artists. Who would you say the main... Um the main community of artists that you work with, what sectors of the industry do they, uh, do they work in? 
Do you mainly have actors? Ah, uh, yeah. So mostly actors, but I, I love to like just like give the list. So we have mimes, magicians, drag queens, writers, choreographers, directors, composers, like every artist that you could think of. Um, I've done a little bit of the analysis work to say that most of them are veterans. Most of them are not newbies um, because the newbies don't necessarily have the money to spend Um Although there is a large selection of people from my like speaking, um, the precocious student who hires me uh, and, and we build out a real sexy first impression for them. So it's mostly veteran artists. They, they work in all different industries. The real thing for me, going back to my father, like purpose and legacy are really big words for me. And so I don't want to work with someone who just wants to be famous or wealthy. I want to know that they have a real mission um, and a real calling of why they need more people to know about something. For any of our listeners that fall into different groups, do you have any advice that you would give just about anybody, any artist? Advice for any artist. Something that could be applied to all sectors of the industry or arts in general. Yeah, I think think of yourself as a brand. Think of yourself as a business. So if you were the CEO of you, instead of making it about all about the work, every and, and artists are also freelancers. And so with freelance employment, you can't just do what you do and expect to keep being hired. Sometimes you have to work on the business, not just in the business. And even when you're working in the business, you're in Hamilton or whatever it may be, you should still be working on your business so that then you can lily pad leapfrog to the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Or do some supplemental work on the side and you're tucking that away for those periods when you're no longer in that show. So with the veteran client list or just any client list in general, how are you building that? Like, I guess when you first got started, were you just talking to your the, the company that you were in on tour? Was it and then it kind of just like spiderweb from that? Or how do you continue to build a roster? So the short answer is gradually. And the most applicable answer is that word of mouth is the most effective form of marketing. So no matter how much money you spend or I spent on a photo shoot, a website, coaches, classes, whatever, as long as you do your job really well, you're going to be successful. If I opened a restaurant and people are like, it's amazing, we'll be fine. If I open a restaurant, people were like, mm, it was okay. And the service was mm, like, it's not going to do well. So the biggest thing about building a client roster is just be exceptional at what you do. And then you will be fine. And, and also have your audience do the marketing for you. Have other people be singing your praises. And then you don't have to do all of the fancy stuff. For me, it's, it was, it's been a snowball effect. Um, and I used to have a lot of anxiety about, am I, am I going to be okay? Am I going to be successful? Is this working? And at a certain moment, um, I had a conversation, I think it was with Duncan Stewart, about abundance versus scarcity. And I had to actually like slap myself and look at the numbers and look at what people had been saying about the business and whatnot. And it's like, at a certain point, you can stop focusing on customer acquisition, these are also business words, but focus on customer retention. How do you keep taking care of the people who have already said yes, instead of always trying to attract new people, new people, new people? Because then as long as you, you know, take great care of the people who are already in your community, then you're fine. And then let the business scale and grow from there. What would you say is the most important aspect of somebody building their brand? clarity. <laughs> I think starting uh, knowing who you are, knowing what you want, and also being um, open to shifts in that. 
you know, things change, we change, your goals change. And so you can't like super lock on to one thing. You always have to be evolving. Um, not to, I mean, this is not a sales pitch, but I lay all this out on my website. There's a free class. Um, and so again, I think branding is always the first priority, which is not about fonts and colors, but it's about who are you? Why are you alive on this planet? What do you want to do? And then we build the website and an online presence from there. So to tie that in with what I like to do as an artist, I'm really firm believer in theater as a form of social advocacy, right? So how do you feel about uh, your clients or anybody in general posting on social media, uh, polarizing opinions and political beliefs? Mm -hmm. So I believe as artists that we, I would, I say we're all different. Uh, but as artists, generally, we exist, we do what we do in order to change the world. We can ask ourselves why we became a writer, a director, an actor, and I like to answer in verbs. Are you here to heal? Are you here to challenge? Are you here to educate? Um, and that gives you a content bank to use social media to do the same thing. I'm going to use social media today to inspire, to heal, to provoke, to educate, what I think um, happens in the commercial industry, whether it's L.A. or New York or Chicago or wherever, is then you have to deal with the market. So that's authenticity versus strategy. And you as the business owner, as the CEO of you, have to make the decision for you, your name, your legacy. Are you going to be an artist that speaks up about things or are you going to sort of uh, let safety, brand safety, uh, rule you know, the censorship of your voice. And, and there's, I won't put right or wrong on that, but I will say, I will give permission to the artists listening that there's an audience for everyone. And I think that we're living in a time that I would encourage you to um, look at what really matters, not necessarily money or the next job, but say like, why am I alive on this planet? And what can I do to make the world a better place and to, to really make a difference, which is why I entered this profession to begin with, and then use the tools accordingly. So for any artists that are out there that uh, feel that they have a, a, a tagline or something or something that they're really striving for with their brand, how would you suggest they go about uh, making that work happen, whether it be through creating their own content or should they be seeking out those certain projects that align with their beliefs or, you know, people got to pay the bills. Should they accept projects that maybe they're not totally invested in? Let me just repeat the question to make sure that I understand. So for someone who feels like they know exactly who they are, they can say it in a tagline, but they like, yeah, once you've, once you've come up with your brand, like, let's say I was working with you and we came up with my brand. What's the next step for finding things that align with that? Mm. So imagine with me, if you will, that there is a little speck of dust and then there's a the large globe next to that. And you are that little speck of dust and here's planet Earth. Um, and there's a Sherry Renee Scott quote that I love that you are a speck of dust and the world belongs to you. So there is a duality that we all feel of who am I? you know, there's the Marianne Williamson quote, who am I to be brilliant, talented? And she says, who are you not to be? Um, and Sherry says, like, the world belongs to you. But then you're also just this like little tiny, like nobody. So you have to push past any doubts and fears. I like to throw names like Sondheim, Lin-Manuel, Beyonce, Oprah, all these people who have made real names for themselves. Um, I believe that 
it's living in integrity once you know what you're here to do. And if you pursue that, you become um, attractive so that it's not about like outbound marketing, but it's about attracting people to you that you are pulsating and, and that attracts the right people to you. The job of your website and your social media, if we've set up these platforms correctly, is to develop a relationship, also known as a follow or a subscription or an email to you. So then, then you can talk to these people later down the line. Um, but I think it's setting up all the platforms. And then it is day-to-day living in consciousness and awareness that everything you put out there is of service to your larger life purpose or calling or mission statement. Can I also like share maybe a little bit of clarity because that sounded a little woo-woo for the person who's like, what? (laughs) Yeah, go for it. (laughs) So let's imagine um, that your brand is your name, Oprah, Pepsi, Starbucks. Your empire is what you're building, which becomes your estate that you leave behind tomorrow, the Sondheim estate, the Miranda estate, the whatever. Most people are going to enter your estate, your world, your empire through Google. It serves as the front gate. That's why your website is super important for the drag queens listening that their Instagram or their Wikipedia is number one. You're losing people because then I'm going to keep clicking and I no longer, I've lost interest in you. I've, I've surfed around to other people. So a website that shows up number one on Google allows you to control the narrative. It also allows you to get a follower on all platforms, not just one. And then you can hold their attention for much longer than just one channel. But around, surrounding the circumference of your empire, you have all of these social media side rooms. So you have your LinkedIn office, your Facebook family room, your Instagram observatory, your Pinterest parlor, your YouTube movie theater, your Vimeo cinema, your, I've like used to have this memorized. But anyway, you get the picture. These are like the Disney store as compared to Disneyland or Disney World. Your social media profiles need to feel like a comparable experience to that main website, that main brand, but they are social media side rooms. That being said, it's not just like your Facebook family room. It's the Facebook gallery, you know, like, or I'm sorry, the galaxy. That being said, it's not just your Facebook family room. It's the Facebook galaxy. It's the Instagram galaxy. So as soon as someone goes into that side room, you may lose them, but they may also enter your world through that side door. So it's really just getting all the platforms set up and then keeping that house party going so that people want to keep coming back and they're like, oh, I love it here. <laughs> this is all so much to process on our end. So we're, we're a little <laughs> speechless in some ways. Well, what happens to the content that already exists? So if I were to come to you, I already have content that I've curated and all that stuff from over the years. And so if I'm moving forward, what do you, what is your, like, your yeah, first step with them? A good point, because especially with young people, like I grew up with all of these social medias. I got my Facebook in seventh grade. I got my Instagram in middle of high school. It's like I got all this stuff on there that is older, but like that's still a part of what I think about when I think about my digital footprint. And, mm-hmm. you know, some things that were embarrassing, maybe I deleted. But uh, And I know on Instagram you could archive things, and then it's no longer on there, but you keep the memory there. I did not know that. Yeah. (laughs) Breakups. It's really great to archive those posts. Never know if you're going to get back together. (laughs) So I like to share something 
call this like my tagline is design your future and that's really what I want to do is help you like you know design your future where you want to go but in the years I've developed that the first job is to honor your past we all have one it's positive and negative we got to take a look at all things and we just want to honor it It doesn't have to be everything we don't have anything to prove we don't have to like share everything you've ever done in your life it could just be the highlights Then we want to present your present. What do you have to give someone when they visit you or to share with the world? And then how you present your present shapes how we design your future. So that is it in a nutshell. We could get specific on any one platform about, you know, like changing the privacy settings on Facebook for things that are, you know, you want only you versus public or only friends. But in a nutshell, We've all got to honor our past, our best and our worst, and keep it moving, and then present your present, design your future. How do you get people to realize what you can provide for them and their business and their image? I appear on podcasts like Page to Stage. (laughs) Oh, okay. And and we'll put all the stuff in our description. Don't worry. (laughs) Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I, I mean, I have a lot of conversations. Yeah, no, because I'm sure you get a lot of times because it's not a traditional job. It's a newer job because of technology, right? Mm-hmm. So there's not that proven, not that proven stuff that says like this is going to work and it's going to get you results, right? So it's a lot about proving something. And yeah. do you feel like you're always trying to prove something, or have you have you kind of plateaued in the sense that you've found where you need to be and you're doing good work. I'm definitely confident in the work that I do, the value that I provide, and the reputation that I have. And that allows me to just say, this is what it is. This is what it costs. Um, And the right people will say yes. And just like walking into, I don't know, um, Macy's, I don't always walk out with a shopping bag. So there are plenty of people who walk into my world, ask about pricing and don't say yes. And that's okay. And as a business owner, I've had to be like, accept that. Um, but what I will say is that there's plenty of reviews on all platforms that people can really like, you know, check my credibility. And I have stories of people, you know, people who have booked their Broadway debuts or have made feature film debuts um, who have gotten direct offers from social media that allow me to know and have confidence in in the work that I'm doing. Uh, what's your process when you're working with a team behind an actor or With a publicist or a manager. Right. Or, well, I, I try to communicate. Do you, co- do you collaborate with them directly or do you go through the uh, client? I, it it differs per client with Leia Salonga. I worked with her manager a lot, Josh, who's amazing. Um, And he would, I would present something to Josh, Josh would present it to Leia, and then the feedback would bounce back accordingly. Um, But with other clients, uh, Vicki Clark, I worked directly with Vicki. I worked directly with Sierra. Um, And I will, and I'm now working with MTEA, which is like all the college professors and they're all busy. And so I'm, what I do, I mean, I find a way to work with anyone, but I record videos, end of week reports. And I say, okay, here's what's been done. And I show them with voiceover on the work and development. And then the, you know, eight board members can then reply back with any feedback. Do you find it challenging to work with like multiple people or is there is there like have you found a way to kind of 
to so, make that work. Yeah. So for me and for anyone who runs a small business, the way that I've made it work is that I have a waiting list. I, I take on a limited amount of clients per month and that allows me to give my best to whoever is the client at the time. How long is the process when you're working with a client or is there really no? It depends. And so if, if anyone wants to work with me, it, it always starts with a consultation so that we can articulate how big is this house that we're building and do you want to take care of the social media side rooms while we're together or do you want to do those on your own? Do you need a logo? Do you need a photo shoot? You know, there's lots of peripherals. And so we figure it out together of, of what this thing is and then determine, uh, you know, the length of time that it will take. And that's a mutual calendar decision. So I have clients who are like, I'm filming a movie for these three months. And I'm like, we don't want to build while you're on set. Like, let's wait till you're done. Or they're like, we need, you know, I need something up because I'm going to Sundance and I, I need like to be able to capitalize on that. So um, there, every project is different. I treat every client the same, but also different, if that makes any sense. Like there's a similar process, no matter who, what level they are at. But if they have special needs, then I want to honor that and, and we'll figure out the best way to tailor the project or the experience to them. You had said that earlier that there were a few areas that you, that you focus on. You have like the social media, the website, the email, and there was one thing I can't remember. However, what is the most important one that you that you think exists? Yeah, well, I think that the the cornerstone is a website that there will be people who argue I don't need a website. I have YouTube, I have Instagram, but the website really allows you again to control the narrative to control your Google results, your Google image, your Google video. um, And to then not capture interest, I'll say collect interest from someone who searches for you through email or social media. That being said, in the priority of this method, branding comes first, because we can't build a website if we don't know who we're trying to reach or who you are. So that's really where the brand strategy comes in initially. And then I think the website like kind of seals the deal. I always love to know it for advice. So I tend to ask a lot of the guests on here, like if if they were ever given a piece of advice that they were then able to to lay on somebody else if that makes any sense mm-hmm. and I don't I mean I, I, I'm gonna ask this of you anyway so was there a piece of advice that you were given younger or starting out that you've then kind of given to the next person and I I think it's interesting because digital media wasn't necessarily a thing when we were growing up at least for me I mean Facebook wasn't really introduced until I was like a freshman in college mm-hmm. so I don't know if that's applicable to this specific job, but maybe something that you've used for your career and for your own brand that you've then been able to impart on the next person? Maybe I can give a couple of answers. I think the best business advice, if anyone is a business owner, is exceed expectations because that then plays into that word of mouth marketing. And then you don't have to work as hard because you have people approaching you as opposed to outbound the cold calls and the outreach. So you want to attract clients as opposed to go out and seek them. Um, in as an artist, um, something that I was always uh, love the start with why by Simon Sinek, but recently working with Sierra hand in hand quite a lot. Um, and in conversations with that, the phrase of why did you get started? Like think about that. And, and I think that that really allows you, even if someone's a veteran listening, why did you get started? And so I like to answer in verbs, just like freshman acting class, and then apply that verb to your new Instagram that you're scared of or don't want to use or your new Twitter or whatever it may be. Um, And then, sorry, as a CEO, I think the other thing is to, I like to honor my team first and then my clients, because if my team is happy and if they're loyal and enthusiastic, then it's going to be a much better experience for my clients. I'm resonating with the why part of it. 
because I've actually personally been thinking about that for myself for the last, I would say, year or so, and I still haven't landed on it. Do you have any um, tips or tricks on how to kind of navigate to discovering what your why is? Mm -hmm. And does it, can it or does it change over time? Sure. So let me ask you, I'll walk you through this. So what do you do, Mary Dina? (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's a great question. I think that's where I stumble is that I've had experience in a lot of things. Currently, I am in events and partnerships manager. I also am publishing books and managing social media accounts. I do photography on the side. I'm doing a podcast. Like there's a lot that I do that feeds into what I love, which is theater. (laughs) Why do you keep saying yes to all of these different things? The passion. And what is your intention? Think about it. But as you think about it, I'll share a quote from Ava DuVernay that I love is that if your goal is only about you, it's not big enough. So beyond making money, paying your rent, um, what's the why? Like, wh- and, and I'll rephrase it. What was, why did you get started? What's the purpose? What's the intention? You don't have to answer on the air, on the record, but here's something I'll share is that underneath all of those different hats and all the different roles that you're playing is Mary. So that much like Oprah, Whoopi, Madonna, Britney, any one name brand that we know, it's all the Lady Gaga, it's all the same person. What they do changes from day to day, but it's the personal brand. So for you, I think you're just always making a name for yourself. You are offering gifts to the world in different ways. Um, and I would just, and, and that applies usually to most artists because we are multi-hyphenates uh, in order to pay our bills in this city. And we also have many passions. We're often self-producing. So it can all fall under the umbrella of you, yourname.com, and then how you present things can differ. So you could take the Kristen Chenoweth approach at the top and have a, sl- a digital slideshow of just saying like, here's my new podcast episode. Here's my upcoming event. And it's just literally a flashing digital billboard of all the things that you do. You could take a New York Times approach and have a newspaper of like, here's all of the latest. And so then I could see all the different paintbrushes that you use, all the different colors in your palette. Um, There's multiple ways to do it. And then you could also have a picture menu of just saying, click here to enter the world of my podcast, click here to enter the world of my events. And, And those decisions would likely be made on what's your ultimate number one goal. What do you really want to do? And versus what are you doing right now in order to pay the bills? Mm-hmm. I think that's exactly where I'm kind of like trying to navigate next is like my goals shifted over the last three, four years. And so like my end, my end goal, if that's what I can call it. <laughs> so oh, that's so. <laughs> and I think a lot of people and I guess I'm generalizing this, but a lot of people th- think about the now. And I guess what you're trying to do is think about the future like Designing like you said <laughs> so i listen to a lot of entrepreneurs jeff bezos richard branson you, tim cook you name it and the big business advice is don't focus on short-term gains focus on the long term so jeff bezos at amazon his meetings they're talking about 10 years in the future he doesn't know anything that's really going on in day-to-day operations his team handles any fires there he's focused on the future and so yes it's very tempting when someone needs to pay their rent to just like do something quick but is that damaging to your brand long term because you're offering half price voice lessons or half price headshots this month in order to pay the bills versus building like a celebrity name brand for yourself because why would Meryl Streep offer half price acting lessons do you know what I'm saying so you have to focus on the long term um, and it is a dance it is a balance between where you are now versus where you want to be 
I'm just thinking about taking half price acting lessons from Meryl Streep now. <laughs> <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Are you distracted? A little distracted. Um, so question about like the mental health component in regards to social media and the societal norms. So I've noticed a trend of, there was a trend that I saw of people taking breaks because they were overwhelmed. And now I think the trend is be- being putting your most authentic self forward. But I, I don't know. I just so like, what is your opinion on those? Like, what are your like, how do you think about that? So, again, there will be opportunity loss if you're not participating. So if someone tries to mention you positive or negative, um, it's that it's that top part of that sales funnel or uh, having brand awareness of having people know who you are. Um, I believe that social media there's two ways I want you to look at it. One is that it's a networking party. So if you leave the party, you are leaving the opportunity to speak to Steven Spielberg or Oprah or whoever it is that you want to connect with that could fast track you to success. There's also the idea that it's fire or water, which are fine and actually good. We all need them um, in order to survive, but in mass amounts or uncontrolled, it's highly dangerous. And just because you know how to use the tool safely doesn't mean that the person next to you or the person across the world is using it correctly. So it is something to use with intelligence, with consciousness, to with mindfulness, which to me means just for anyone who doesn't practice meditation, it's like rising above your thoughts so that you can see, oh, I am comparing myself right now. Let me turn this off. Or I'm literally not doing anything. I'm just scrolling. Let me, instead of doing that, let me go off and do something productive or contributive so that I actually feel good about my day. Mm. So something that at least in my friend group has come up a lot uh, in you know, because I recently graduated and you talk about branding and stuff like that in your last year and all that kind of stuff. And something that came up with a lot of people was, uh, and I'm just going to use this as an example, but a gay actor coming out on their social media and then being pigeonholed to just gay roles, right? So how do you avoid that sort of pigeonhole when the industry may, may very well do that to you? Well, I think if we look at Billy Porter or um, Nathan Lee Graham or Neil Patrick Harris, like there are so many actors that are really exceptions to that. And I think that that's a dated rule that we need to challenge. Is that a limiting belief that I am accepting from heteronormative people who tell you that in order to maintain um, theater that looks like Oklahoma or The King and I. I think we're in an age where we we are seeing, gratefully, you know, more stories being told on stage. But I still think there's work to be done in terms of actually having gay actors playing gay roles. I think specifically in film okay. and TV, that's that's really where I'm I'm thinking. Headed. Uh, I think in in theater, it's it's been a longer standing notion that you know gay actors can play straight roles in the theater and pass quote unquote but on film and tv i feel like these um networks or um uh, studios want to take a safer route for their audiences and um have the straight actor play the gay roles so how would that be handled with your digital marketing yeah i think it goes back to 
really having a quiet moment with yourself and saying, who do I want to be in the world and what do I want my name to be? So if commercial success is really important to you and you want to play it safe and not like share your sexuality publicly, totally fine. Um, but I also believe that we're entering a time where I think we'll see those things change. There are even actors in their 50s who are gay but who are not out. And that, that I have to accept that like that is the the reality that they live in. I, I have a family member in mind who I, I believe is a lesbian who has not come out because like in her world, that's not a safe thing to do. Um, so we have to provide love and, and support for pe- everyone's choices. But I think if you're a young artist thinking about how do I put myself out there both on the internet and in the industry... I believe that it will always be a balance of authenticity and strategy, and I will let you decide how much of each for you. Well, we always like to ask our guests one final question, which is, what is the last great, or was it last? What is the the last great piece of theater that you saw Hmm. that sticks out in your mind? Hmm. Well, I loved Head Over Heels. I thought that that was a really um, inclusive and, and... really wonderful moment and maybe to tie it back in with branding is there a certain campaign from a show recently that you've been impressed with well i have a story that may not be positive but something that i like to share when pretty woman opened one of the review headlines said big mistake huge and now if you look at the side of buses it says pretty woman a new musical big huge and they've cut out mistake so for anyone who's self-conscious about marketing themselves and like can i really put this review that said that it was the best ensemble ever if i you know i was just part i'm like if broadway shows can twist their their headline and and make it work for them that is a, an example that I like to highlight for people of like push past your fears of self-promotion because, you know, it is a smoke and mirrors. That's great. I'm shocked. <laughs> you didn't know that? No, I had no idea. Oh, well. Sorry, pretty woman. I didn't see it, but I'm sh- I know that you all are wonderful. Thank you so Thank you. much Thank for coming you. on. So fun. I hope it was, it's, it was insightful and applicable. I'm sure you were a great resource to all of our listeners, and I hope they all check out your website and your content. Oh, yeah. And your and podcast. By the time that this episode airs, you will have been in Bali for at least a month or two. Come on over. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually, I don't know if, if they know this, but I have a brand quiz that you can take on my website, so you can actually score yourself. I have a free class that kind of outlines the method as well as some business uh, rules and then we also have a Facebook group that it's a global community of, of creators that I'd love for people to be a part of yes. we'll, we'll link it all in the description of this episode for sure yes thank you for having me thanks, thanks. bye <laughs> thanks everyone for listening to this episode of page to stage to keep up with us you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at page to stage podcast and if you're enjoying these conversations we would really appreciate it if you could take a couple minutes to rate and review us wherever you're listening to this podcast until next time that's Brian that's Mary we'll see you later bye
Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.